everybody and welcome to Something to Talk About. I'm your host Randy Wartelski and I thank you so much for joining us here on the Nachum Siegel Network. It's the video people are still talking about and the family that's still present in people's minds. It's the emotional story that begins begins with one child, one school, and some very special parents. We're talking about the family of Rabbi Yehuda and Lori Minchenberg and the video aptly titled Heroes. The Minchenberg's heartfelt story unveiled before a large crowd at the Sinai School Dinner recently, and now $1 is being donated to the uniquely special school for each new view of the video. Rabbi Minchenberg himself, a Rebbe, is here today with his wife to tell us how it all began. And joining us a little later on the program, Mr. Sam Fishman, Managing Director of Sinai Schools, and Rabbi Yisrael Rothwax, Dean of Sinai Schools. So, Rabbi Minchenberg and uh, Mrs. Minchenberg, thank you so much for joining us today. Let me hear about your family. Um, we, uh, we have six children. It's interesting that after the video was seen by so many, uh, many people came over to us and said, wow, three children with special needs. That, that's unbelievable. How do you do it? And we said, well, I mean, it's, it's doable. I mean, they're three of six. You have six children? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, Tuvia is actually our second, and um, he actually wanted to emulate his older brother. That's actually in the video itself. It doesn't have a a large screenplay, but uh, he wanted to emulate his older brother, who was Nesayim Shisha Sidre Mishnah at his bar mitzvah and lanes, etc., etc. And so, like, he's like a focal point for Tuvia uh, in his life. And they're like, oh, okay. And then there's, uh, after Tovia, there's Shmuel, who unfortunately is not able to go to a Jewish school. He's autistic. And, and then they stop us right there. Like, stop. <laughs> you have your three children in Sinai and you have an autistic child. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, Shmuel is famous for, for completely different reasons. He goes to Hask and he's well known there. And, but, uh, but during the year, he's in a different school, which is specifically for autistic children. And, uh, he certainly plays a very, very big role in our family as well. Uh, and only then, uh, the twins were born approximately three and a quarter years later after uh, Shmuel and Devorah and Zev both. As if you weren't busy enough. Right, right. Twins. We, we, we had nothing doing. <laughs> but the, tr- the twins actually made it easy in regard to when we had our Kanina Hara, our sixth child, Mordechai, who, uh, who now is about three. So, like, after having twins, like, having one child was a snap. Like, oh, For we sure. only have to change one diaper at a time? Right. Like, so easy. Uh, yeah, so Baruch Hashem and Mordechai, uh, he, he rounds out the scene. And you know, we're keeping an eye on him. You know, like, you know, because with every child, you learn a little bit something new, something different that you didn't see in the child before. And so we're, we are hopeful. And, uh, you know, so far... Baruch Hashem. Every every child is uh, very unique. Certainly. So I guess we'll start with the more recent and then move backwards because, you know, we started out talking about this this beautiful video that uh, you were such your your story is such such a big part. Um, How did that begin? Sinai schools approached you and said. They asked us if we would be willing to tell our story 
the, the story of our children and our family at the dinner. And our immediate answer was, why not? We have nothing to be ashamed of. We're proud of our children. And if we can help the school in some small way to an institution which has done so much for us in so many ways, how do we, how do we not do it? One thing that struck me when I watched the video, and, um, you know, we're encouraging our listeners today to go online. You can search Sinai Schools Heroes, and you'll find it on YouTube. You'll find it on the Sinai Schools website. Um, I was very struck by your decision to share such a, pers- a personal story in such a public way. Um, was that a difficult decision for you, or you're saying it's not such a difficult decision? Can I cut in here? Yes, you can cut in. Uh, first of all, it was um, as the video starts. Actually, there's a flashback to us being videoed five, uh, now six years ago in 2007. So really, uh, you know, the question becomes: Well, why were we willing to do it in 2007 uh, to begin with? Because this this time was easy. It was like, oh, we did this already. Like we're just doing it again. Um, the first time uh, was. Um, we were we were new at Sinai. It was I think Tuvia's second year in the school, and w- our our lives had not really taken shape yet in regard to the the twins were only three at the time, and um, and Shmuel had already been diagnosed with autism, but it, like things hadn't really blossomed and developed quite yet. So this was like a, a new thing. Like oh, you know, Sinai wants. I wonder why they want to interview us. Should we do it? Shouldn't we do it? Yeah, why not? Okay. I remember they came on, you know, it was a Hanukkah Sunday afternoon, and they came to our house, and, and we did the interview, and uh, and we moved on from, from there. Uh, one of my colleagues was actually being honored at the dinner that year, so it worked out nicely. Uh, it, consequently, five, six years later, Another one of my colleagues was being honored. Uh, different school, different, a whole different uh, story. But uh, so it, it worked out nicely. So after doing it time number one, and uh, and it was it was a very meaningful video for us in that uh, what we were able we were given a copy of the video, uh, which was all about our son Tuvia because he was the only one in the school at the time, and his birthday is Erev Yom Kippur. Oh, the, so was mine. <laughs> It's a good birthday, <laughs> um, and it's a mitzvah to eat on that day. So, so it, we always go. we always stress that with Tovia, and so we get a mitzvah to eat on Tovia's birthday. And so it, it was always appropriate that the erev Yom Kippur, uh, Lori and I would watch that video uh, to help us focus on what's important in life and uh, what is meaningful and what are we davening for. And so, like, so the video sort of became part of our lives. We didn't forget about it. We, we revisited it every year. And so when, um, and, and of course, when it came to Tobias Bar Mitzvah, we wanted uh, Sinai to be very much involved in the Bar Mitzvah in regard to uh, inviting Robert Rothwacht, inviting uh, Sam Fishman, inviting his rabbeim, his, his teachers, et cetera, et cetera. Sinai has been such a part of Tobias' life um, that I can't say that I was shocked when uh, Sam approached us right at the end of the bar mitzvah, as he was leaving, he says, we need to talk. <laughs> um, I'm going to call you in about a week. So it wasn't like, it didn't come out of nowhere. Like it sort of had a feeling that that's what the uh, request was going to be. 
And uh, after the experiencing the bar mitzvah itself, it was just like re-experiencing the bar mitzvah. So that was easy. The bar mitzvah was was great. We had we we enjoyed. It was like reliving the first bar mitzvah. Like we had there were a lot of commonalities between Usher, our oldest, his bar mitzvah, and and our and Tuvia's. So like we loved the first bar mitzvah, and so we live loved the second one, and now oh we get to have like a post bar mitzvah recap. Right. <laughs> so it was like right. great. Why not? <laughs> Someone's interviewing us about our kids. Fantastic. Who, who, who wouldn't want to talk about their kids for so long? Exactly. <laughs> so how did your association with Sinai Schools begin? Our son, Tovia, was five, and he was in the public school. And we felt that he needed a yeshiva education. And we were living in Passaic, New Jersey, and the only uh, – Jewish option that we knew of for children with special needs was Sinai. Uh, I must have gotten their name from friends of mine. I don't remember anymore who it was that gave me the name, but I brought Sylvia down for a visit, and Judy Carp met him, and she said it was a (laughs) no-brainer. This is where he should go. This is where he would flourish and develop. What was Sinai able to give Tuvia that he wasn't able to get elsewhere? Uh, individualized attention, uh, programs specifically tailored to meet his needs, uh, vast array of therapies. A psychologist worked with him, facilitating social skills inside the classroom and outside the classroom. And he was in a yeshiva. I mean, this was like a, a brand new experience for us regarding Tuvia that we had with our with our older son. We just took it for granted. And I, I, I you know, when you talk to a lot of people, uh, they and you hear about uh, people being upset with, you know, the yeshiva they send to, and there's this problem and there's that problem. And there, and, and we, we always think of it as, yeah, but your child's in yeshiva. It's like with let's put this in a framework. Like Kanainahara, Tovya and Zev and Devora and, and our son Shmuel, they all experience public school. So if, to have our son now being able to be in a yeshiva and being able to get all of those needs that until now we thought were only able to be received in a public school, this was like this was like the best of both worlds. This was amazing. Right. Right. So Tovia was in the school. He's been in the school for a couple of years. And now you have the twins. How, how did that start? How did that relationship with Sinai start with your twins? Well, it was Sinai was a known entity. We knew it. We knew about it. We had firsthand experience with it. And we couldn't go to them until they were of age six. So they were in the public school for a few years. But we... Well, Sorry, with the hope, I mean, obviously the hope is is that your child will be able to go to to a, uh, a, a typical school, a typical yeshiva. Like, so you, you try to shy away. Like, we ha- yes, Tuvia's there, but is there any way that we were able to send our other children to? And so you don't, you don't look. We didn't look at Sinai as, for the twins as option number one. Uh, to be honest, we looked at it as. 
as this is where the twins need to go because they are not getting what they need uh, where they are, not in the public schools. And then later when Zev, we actually tried Zev in a typical yeshiva, and it just... It was it was frustrating for us to watch this child who was so excited on day one to go to school get more and more frustrated as the year wore on. Right. And and we knew it was not the teacher because the, he had the same exact mora that our older son had, and the mora was fantastic. So um, coming as a rebbe, I knew okay, it's not the mora. <laughs> it's our it's our child, and our child is is crying out for help. And so, um, and it was already by that point we had we had already um, come to sign up for Devorah because Devorah was was clearly behind Zev in many different ways. And so, and how, and how old was she at the time? Five. Right. She started in Sinai when she was a few more a few months short of her sixth birthday. And what kind of impact does having three children? in a, what Sinai calls a uniquely special school, what kind of impact does that have, let's say, on your older child? Usher is his name? Yes, it is. Who has a very different school experience? It, that is a, it's a loaded question. Um, it's uh, Baruch Hashem with... Uh, with Three children in Sinai, um, Usher, and, and a child in New Beginnings, and, and a, right, and an and a autistic son, uh, Shmuel, in, in New Beginnings. It's all it's a it's a big peckle for a older sibling to carry, and you know, as as their parents, we view all of our children as our children. So right. we don't we don't make delineations as to able, not able, capable, more capable. This way, like every child. So Sinai is a unique school. So our family is a unique family, and, but every family is a unique family. Every every family looks at every child differently, and and so uh, I think that resonates with every parent. So as parents, we don't we don't see as the issue right. uh, as much, but we feel so much for Usher in that he, you know Baruch Hashem, you know he he went to a typical school and did very nicely, and we're extremely proud of his accomplishments, and certainly do not take them for granted at all. And yet, it has to be very, very frustrating for him to not be able to have the same kind of experience as many of his friends have with their siblings. So it's a, it's a tough peckle, you know. We we feel for him. And uh, and we, we you know like any parent wants the best for their child and the most for their child child slash children we want we you know we'd love to be able to give to Usher whatever he would like and whatever and and yet and and so it's a balance of saying Usher we, we want we we're there for you right and you know and Ian, and please tell us how you're feeling, express your frustration. It's important that you let us know, but at the same time, know that when you're expressing it to us, it hurts us. Not that it, not that you're hurting us. Chas v'shalom. We, we're inviting you to tell us, but at the same time, know you're, you're talking to us about our children as if somebody else were talking about you to us. Right. You know, and and, expo- and and demonstrating their frustration with you, and how much that would pain us, it's the same. Um, but we are not diminishing um, what you're feeling. What you're feeling is very, very real. 
and uh, and so it's hard, and we're constantly aware and constantly trying to to think of how to help Usher um, be happy with his family. Right. Well, you know, having you as role models, I'm sure, is is he's already on the right path. You know, he's already on the right path. I want to just play a little clip from the video here where you talk. This was uh, after Tobias Bar Mitzvah. And um, in the video, you, you talk about how he, he leaned and he leaned from a cloth. And this is what uh, you, Rabbi Minchenberg, are describing in the post, uh, post-Bar Mitzvah moments. Rabbi Sachs spoke and he referred to Tuvia as an inspiration and as a hero. And when we heard those words, it put together this feeling of, oh my gosh, we have a child who can accomplish. A boy who is very limited in his ability to learn has been made by the Rav of our shul into a role model for everyone. And Rabbi Sachs continued to say that if you are having ever any doubts about whether you can accomplish something. He says, think about what you just saw today. And remember, you can. Anything is doable. Never in the world would we have imagined that a kid who couldn't, uh, who couldn't say his name was going to uh, read from the Torah in shul and from a cloth and make a siyam. And when it was all done... How did you feel when Rabbi Sachs said those words, talking about your son as as an inspiration to the Klal? It was a wonderful, amazing, special feeling. That's all I could say. It's, it's like when it, when any parent um, sees their child. I once commented about this. Uh, to a parent after they uh, many bar mitzvahs they show a montage of uh, of the child growing up from from uh, from infancy until their bar mitzvah and I went over to the parent and I was like as a parent you still see your child as the beginning of the film not sure. at the end of the sure. film so so you know when when you hear Rabbi Sachs talk about your child as being a hero and an inspiration and you're like. Well, the boy with those blonde curls, you know, who, who who couldn't say his name and had a hard time just keeping all of the saliva in his mouth and like you remember every moment, you know, and you say, That boy is an inspiration and a hero and, and our Rav, who's like just tremendous Dhamma is is describing him as that. It's like it, it it takes you for a loop. You're like, wow, I wasn't expecting him to say that. And then you and you sit back for a moment, you're like Wow, maybe he is. <laughs> and he, the rub sees him for what he is, you know, and for who he is now. And so it's um, it's a lot of pride, I guess, is the best word for it. And it's, uh, as pr- as proud, like you, you have a certain pride, you know, like after the first bar mitzvah, when you hear Usher making a siyum on Shisha Sidri Mishnah, and you go, "Wow, that's pride." And then your second son, he makes a see him on Seder Moed. Okay, you know it's nice, but uh, but they were they were made they were they were both made to say you know this is an accomplishment. Each one did what they what they were able to do, and so don't view this as one less than they are equal. 
in their in their um, in their accomplishments because they're both doing the best 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 that they can. And that's all you, you know. That's all you can ask for ever from any child is that you try your best. Um, we also felt that it was it served to Tuvia's advantage because Tuvia was always viewed as the mascot of the shul, and people didn't really give him respect. But at the same time, that children might have given him a hard time. The adults did just the opposite. They mm-hmm. hopped on to who Tuvia was and what he would appreciate, and they took him in. Like as as negative as a mascot could be in some fa- way, he was. It's a, it was a tremendous. Po- the the adults of the shul turned it into a tremendously positive thing. You talked about preparing Tuvia for his bar mitzvah, and um, a little later we're going to speak with the uh, Sinai professionals that are here about the preparation for this big uh, life moment. Um, and one thing that came to mind when I heard you in the video talking about how you helped prepare Tovia for his bar mitzvah was something that's on the mind of every parent, patience. Where do you find the patience to, you know, just in general to deal with life, but specifically to, to help your, your children in, in these situations? They're thinking. <laughs> patience. All right, we're being patient in answering the question. You're being patient. You know what? Yeah. You can be you can be a little patient in answering the question. Something to think about. Um, we're going to take a short break, and we will be back with more of Rabbi Yehuda and Lori Minchenberg and Mr. Sam Fishman and Rabbi Israel Rothwax of Sinai Schools. When we come back, you're listening to something to talk about right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. For you, my child, as I watch you grow and hear your laughter, it wasn't long ago when I couldn't find a way to help you. I wanted Inside my But no one answered 
The Arms of Sinai, written by two Sinai parents, C. Lance Baum and Sam Fishman and Dove Rosenblatt, performed by Fools for April. What a beautiful selection here that sings about the feelings of helplessness, hopelessness, expressions of willingness to do anything to help a child, hopes, dreams, and ultimately, of course, joy. Welcome back to Something to Talk About here on the Nachum Siegel Network. We are sitting with the Minchenberg family, Rabbi Yehuda and Lori Minchenberg, and they're telling us their story in person that they presented on video before a large crowd at the Sinai School dinner recently. And now the video scene around the world is where we are encouraging people to go online and view the video called Heroes. For every hit on the video, a dollar is donated to the uniquely special Sinai School. So please go ahead and view that video. We are joined now by representatives of the Sinai School, by major people in the Sinai School. Sam Fishman is the managing director, and Rabbi Yisrael Rothwax is the dean of Sinai Schools. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having us. So what is a Sinai education? Rabbi Rothwax, I'll ask you that question. Well, I think that part of what uh, you, the viewers have seen on the video and what you've heard from the Minchenbergs today is that the Sinai education is very different for every child. We have 110 uh, children in our system, and it's a different education for each one of them. And I think that uh, when we paint with a very broad stroke, and what that means is looking at each child, at what they bring to the table, both in terms of their strengths, uh, the challenges, um, who they are as a member of their family, as a member of Klal Yisrael, um, as a member of the school community, and then really making a tailor-made plan for taking them to the next steps in so many different ways. Academically, certainly, it's a school. 
but uh, our children oftentimes have challenges socially, emotionally, sometimes behaviorally, and uh, and all that we do together as a team um, is really to to look at each child and and assess how we can take them to the next step, and then when we get there, get together around the table again, and how we get them to the next step. And uh, I think that uh, if, if I were to force to uh, to explain what a Sinai education is in 30 seconds, and that's what it is. It's just that everything is, is thought out, planned, and individualized. What kind of um, issues do you see in the children that come to Sinai? So we service a pretty broad spectrum of students, uh, individuals with disabilities. Um, we have students who have developmental disabilities um, who are perhaps, perhaps a little bit more limited cognitively. Um, we also service kids who have learning disabilities, kids who have um, average or even above average intelligence who are maybe sometimes on the spectrum. They have Asperger's, um, kids with all sorts of emotional uh, um, issues, disorders. Um, I think really the, the common thread is that all of them have what to benefit from our type of setup, which is really a, a school within a school. Each one of our five sites, our schools, are are housed in yeshiva day schools. Um, and there are some children for whom that that kind of setup is uh, not appropriate and they may need something something a little bit more therapeutic or something a little bit more a little smaller. Um, but all of our students, uh, wherever they fall on that spectrum that I just described, can benefit from being included in the community to that degree. What kind of interaction is there between the students at in the Sinai program that's housed at whatever school they're in on all the different sites? Um, so just like you asked me a moment ago, what's the education like? So I'll tell you that for the, all the 110 kids that we have, um, their inclusion plan looks uh, different. We call it inclusion by design, um, which is really that. Everything is, is thought out. So we have children who um, who are in their mainstream host school classes for one, two, three, four classes a day. We have children for whom that's that's not on the plate right now, but are included in other ways. Um, it may seem a little silly, but when you take a step back and think about that, my child who has special needs is going on a bus with, uh, with his siblings to Y&J, to Kushner, that's, that's a big deal. Um, you know, to be you know able the to bus can be a very dangerous place. Right, right. I, <laughs> my kids don't go on the bus, but, you know, for those whom that's important, um, you know, or, or in, in a high school level, our kids are on on the sports teams, um, extracurricular activities, music, gym, all of those other parts of the day that make school what it is besides the classrooms. Our, our kids are, are part of that that culture, and they're not just part of it uh, on the periphery. They are very much... You know, welcomed and integrated, and in, in many ways, it, it, it's not—it's not something that people are doing actively to include them. It just is—is is part of the culture of the school. That there's a kid in fifth grade that's in that classroom, there's a kid in fifth grade in that classroom, um, and it's really uh, one one school community. And uh, we're we're very proud of that. And the truth is that our uh, host schools, our partner schools, um, deserve uh, a lot of credit for for helping to create that culture. Yeah, would you say that the relationship is sort of symbiotic for the children, the, ch- the Sinai children and the children in the ho- in what you're calling the host schools, that the children in the host schools are getting something out of the relationship as well? For sure. Um, 
when, when we started Ma'or, which is our high school at the, uh, at the Kushner High School, um, I was the director of that uh, site at the time. And about two, three weeks into the school uh, year, one of the Kushner administrators came over to me and said, um, so how's everything going? Is there anything I can do? I'm sure there are bumps in the road. And I said, you know, I, I actually, everything's going really well, and I'm, and I'm really, really surprised. She said, why are you surprised? I said, I don't know. I thought you know, some kids would be teasing our kids a little bit. We're new here. They may not really get us yet. I don't, you know, it's, it's not like a relationship that we have with some other schools where it's been really long. And without skipping a beat, she said, no, you don't get it. You know, 95% or so of the kids that are in the Kushner High School grew up on the other side of the building in elementary school. And having children with special needs at their side just is. It's just, it's part of life. We're all different. And so when they get to the high school level, it's just an extension of where they are. And I think that, you know, to your point, yes, you know, we, we bring that degree of sensitivity uh, to, uh, to the kids in, the, in, in our partner schools as well. Sam Fishman is here. He's the managing director of Sinai Hi. Schools. What is your role in the school? <laughs> well, when I'm not making movies, um, I, my uh, I'm really responsible for all of the non-educational aspects of the school, so finances, fundraising, uh, the business side of it. Um, I for I come. Let me step back for a second. I come to Sinai. Sounds like a big job. It's all right. <laughs> I come to Sinai first and foremost as a parent. My my son was in the third class of Sinai. My son is now thirty three. I was my next question was gonna be how old is the is the school? The school is thirty one mm-hmm. and my son started Sinai around the same age as your kids at around age six. And he went through uh you know, first through eighth grade at Sinai and that's really how I got involved in the school, how I came to be on the board and the executive committee, and um, being a, a masochist, I guess, I took on the chairmanship of the scholarship committee a long, long time ago. Um, and and um, it's really, I, I think, more than anything in terms of the stories that we tell, the story that, that you saw and heard in uh, in the Heroes video, what, what you heard me express on behalf of myself and other parents, and the song that you played very, very much comes from the experience of being a Sinai parent. You know, and, you know, coming back to what Yehuda and Lori were saying before about this video, I kind of knew since 2007, you know, as I watched Tuvia and as I got to know the Minchinbergs better, and as we took in Devora, and as we took in Zev, I kind of knew that we wanted to, you know, tell the rest of the story now now that they've been in the school um for some time and i and i i knew it and i really knew it leading up to the bar mitzvah and then uh i wasn't there uh my loss on shabbos but i was there for the siam and i heard rabbi Sachs speak and when he called to a hero you know as as a father of a sinai kid i just i thought he really nailed it because when I think about my own adult Sinai child and the odyssey that he's had and how hard he's worked and and, and those are really values that he got, you know, from Sinai, you know, we teach our kids that, no, it's not going to be easy for you. You really need to work at this and everything that he's accomplished. And I look up to 
him, you know, for you know what he's done and 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 how independent he's come. It's actually, you know, it's pretty remarkable. He he um he went his own path. I know I'm talking about my own son now, but um sorry, it's really. But he my 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 Moshe just got his master's degree in special education. Is actually teaching a resource room in a school, and you know cool. it, it took him his time to get there. That's awesome. But yeah, so talk about heroes. So and I heard that, so I you know I I knew, and yes, I remember coming up to um, Yehuda after the bar mitzvah, and I very much had it in mind, and uh, and uh, you know having having said that. You guys, you and Lori deserve just a tremendous amount of credit for being willing to tell your story. You know, you ask me, you know, what do I do? So part of it is that, you know, I listen to a lot of stories, I feel a lot of stories, and there are a lot, a lot of stories that that can be told and should be told. But it's very hard for for many parents to open up the way that you guys did, and you deserve just um, tremendous credit on on on, on so many. Levels, and I'm also so so glad that you're doing this interview tonight because some of the things you talk about doing a video and what you heard them say, you know, to create a video like that, it's days and days and days of interviews and footage and what have you, and the, the video making, you know, you decide, okay, what story are we going to tell and what story are we not going to tell? So, you know, pieces of it, like the story you told about Erev Yom Kippur, and some of the other pieces, you know, that come out that that you know. It pained me, you know, not to tell some of these stories, you know. So really, really remarkable. I don't know if I've answered your question, but I've, I think I've, sure. I've rambled enough. It's okay. Why is a Sinai education so expensive? <laughs> I guess that's mine <laughs> again. That's, that's a fair question, but... Um, it's really a function of, of what we provide and, and how we provide it. I mean, if you, you start from from just the numbers of it, um, our... our, our staff to student ratio we have one in, let's say uh, one staff member one professional staff member for about every one and a half kids wow. so you think about you know a, a classroom in a in a typical yeshiva so maybe 20 kids in the classroom there might be two professionals in the room uh, our classrooms you'll have a group of six to eight kids and you may have three four professionals and you're talking about you know masters in education Behaviorists, psychologists, speech therapists, occupational therapists, and you know, so you're starting with just such an intensity of of staff is really is really what it uh, what it comes down to. And maybe this is more of a question for Rabbi Rothwax. How do you, when you say that each child has sort of their own individualized program, is that something that you as dean would work on with each child? Is there um, as I know Lori mentioned in the video, like a child study team, how, how do you come up with what program works for each child? So when a child comes to uh, our school, when their parents come first to uh, tell us a little bit about their child, um, and we make that shidduch together and we realize that this is really indeed a place that we feel their child can can flourish, so then the real work begins. We all sit down together as a team, um, which includes first and foremost the parents, um, an administrator, uh, not always me. We have directors at uh, each of our sites. Um, and then the key people, uh, given this child's profile, who need to be involved you know, in a very intense way to begin with. So for some children, there might be a speech therapist, others OT, others a behaviorist, and for others, you know, maybe all three of them. Um, and sit to down together and prioritize 
You know, what are the next steps? We can't work on everything at once. Um, you know, you were you were asking the Menschenbergs before about patience. So sometimes we need patience too, um, not because it's so hard to get uh, certain skills, because we want to do so much at once, um, and we have to we have to pull ourselves back and say, um, you know, to fast move a lot to fast, and we have to take take each uh, each skill um, and each milestone, uh, you know, at a time, and and that's really what we do. And and then and then once we make the plan, of course, we're human beings, and sometimes it's uh, not perfect. Oftentimes, it's not perfect. And uh, I think part of what makes our school so beautiful is that uh, we are constantly taking a step back and, and taking a cheshben and nefesh and, and making sure that we're doing right by uh, by each child. And when I say constantly, I don't mean once a year. I don't mean twice a year. I mean, you know, uh, in a formal way, multiple times uh, during the year and an informally, you know, on a daily basis. Um, and uh, and that's that's part of what I think makes our education uh, so, so great is that we do sit down together in a collaborative way and actively think about what each child needs at each stage of the game. We were talking earlier about breaking barriers. We were talking even, you know, before we sat down to do this interview, we were talking about stigma. And I guess this is a question open for anybody who wants to, who wants to grab it. Um, how do we overcome stigma even as a community? Um, just in general, when when people are different. I'm going to leave this to the experts at the table. <laughs> uh, we were actually um, talking about this on the car ride over here. Um, there was an animated video that was made um, last year uh, by Sinai, and where where you see a child um, pushing against the winds of stigma, uh, and uh, and we were talking about it. And it's like there's a stigma in the. So I watched it, and uh, and I. I had a hard time relating to it um, because because we feel uh, that uh, w- we we feel like privileged, honored. Um, so that w- we get up in the morning and we say, "Okay, we know what our tachlis and the bria is." There is no question about like, "Why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? What does Hashem want from me? What do you mean? What does Hashem want from you? you look around." <laughs> Get to work. <laughs> you've Your got slouches here. You've got what to do, and uh, you know. So Baruch Hashem, like it's um, it, it's like when we go to. I remember um, we were in email contact with um, with Rabbi Rothwax uh, before the bar mitzvah, saying we very much want, like, please, uh, like, would you be able to speak, or maybe one of the rabbeim, or we want Sinai to be very much in the forefront of Tuvia's bar mitzvah because this is we're so proud. Of of all that Tuvia has accomplished and where he has gone to school and like we wear it as a as a badge of honor, um, just like uh, with our our son uh, Shmuel he he goes he goes to Hass during the summer, like with pride like oh my gosh these are our kids like just like any parent would be proud of their children we see we we see ourselves as parents of six children all of whom we're extremely proud of, and we don't see them as, oh, well, but this one is, you know, well, this one, because he has a learning issue, therefore he's different. He's different in the regard to how he learns. That's about it. Mm-hmm. He's a child. He's a child like any other child. And do you find as administrators in the school that there is any kind of community stigma or anything like that that you feel like we have to educate the community? So let, let me 
first say that that Yehuda and Lori are probably in the 99th percentile of being at peace as parents with uh, with the issues that you know that that, you, that you're getting at in terms of stigma. I mean, things have gotten a lot, a lot better in the Jewish community over the 30-some years that we're doing this. But, you know, whether it's real or whether it's perceived, and I guess it's mostly the perception that many, many parents have uh, about, um, you know, how people will treat them or will treat their children or will treat the siblings of the child with special needs. We have... Many parents who who struggle with um, you talk about making a video. There are stories that I would love to be able to tell, but where the you know it, instead it's you know one out of let's say four children in the family, and the parents are convinced that if they do something public like this, you know they won't be able to marry off the other kids, and you know and it's 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 sad, but it's very under, understandable. You know, having said that. Um, you asked before about the the impact of Sinai on the kids in the other schools, and you know one of the things that we've seen over time, you know, if you think about every Sinai kid, so we we let's say we have you know 35, 40 kids at at, at YNJ out of a thousand kids, so that means like for every one of our kids, you know, is is impacting every one of those kids, and over a period of years, so you know if we've served a thousand kids. Well, those thousand kids have impacted, you know, tens of thousands of kids and their families. And and what we see in the adults who grew up side by side with our kids is a, a level of, you know, acceptance and that this is natural, and also that they don't lose it as much as you know people. And you know, you can't tell because this is radio. I'm a little bit older than the other people in the room, but you know, when when uh, I was younger, and I, when I was in my early 20s, and I, my oldest was my special needs child, you know, there really wasn't much history of this. You know, people kept things like this in the closet, and you had a kid like this, and you, you know, and the grandparents didn't know what to do with it. You know, you sweep it under the rug, you, you know, and, and um, so things have gotten a lot, a lot better, and I think that, you know, the, the more that, you know, we... Uh, address the issues in community, the more that it becomes normal to have kids with special needs within the schools, the more that it's treated as part of life, you know, the, the, I think the easier that people will be able to deal with it. Have the videos that you've made, that you've produced, played a big role in educating the greater community? I mean, I, I, I hope so. You know, it's, it's funny, um, yeah, How many the, hits has the Heroes video gotten so far? Would we say like nine thousand? Heroes, is, yeah, Heroes was pretty remarkable. It's funny because we, when we went into the dinner, we showed two videos. You know, we we did a a message video that was really that was really designed to address some of the issues that you're touching on. It was really about inclusion, and that's really what we wanted to educate the community about. And I stood up there and I said, you know, so we we have this promotion, we have a sponsor, we'll give a dollar every time somebody looks at this. Video and 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 the inclusion video is is wonderful and it's developed a following, but after the dinner at dessert, people coming up talking about heroes and I wake up the next morning, and heroes had a thousand hits, and you know we realized we were onto something and you know and the calls and all of that and you know and it's now up to to nine thousand and and uh, you know we've gotten you know calls from some of the major Jewish websites that have asked us if they can. 
you know, carry it. And, and uh, so it's remarkable. And in terms of your question whether the videos have moved the needle, and, you know, it, I, I try in different ways. I mean, I did a video a couple of years ago where I did a segment at the end of the video just about our alumni, about the adults, you know, what are they doing now? You know, because people have a perception, you know, and, and it's really a broad range of things because what we really try to do is to have our kids participate as meaningfully and as fully in life as they can, as they can, as they can grow up to be. You know, for some that might be, you know, they'll be, become a teacher and they might become a rabbi. We have one alumnus who's actually a Rebbe at, at uh, Kushner High School. And for some, you know, it'll mean something very, very different from that. Um, so, you know, we, we, we do try to educate the community like that, you know, through our dinner, through our videos and I wonder if it's like also this. important to, for the young parents that are coming into your school for the first time. I mean, any time a parent sort of interviews a school for the first time, I mean, right away, your kid's barely in nursery and they're already talking about what high schools, you know, their graduates are going to. I think uh, as young parents coming into the school, seeing what the heights are, what the reaches that their kids could accomplish coming out of the school is is great for the parents too. I, I you're very perceptive in saying that. Um, you know, uh, you asked what are the things that I do. So I, I, I'll deal with the financial side of the intake process, but I, I approach it as a parent and having been through it. And I, I see a lot of parents that really, I was in their shoes. You know, 25 years ago, 28 years ago, and. Um, I've seen, you know, I've had a lot of friends who've had their kids come through Sun, and I've seen them grow up and do, you know, many different things with their lives and go in many directions. And just my ability to talk to parents about, you know, what they might see and what they might expect. One of the things that's so remarkable about Yehuda and Lori and the way that you talk, you know, particularly at the end of the video about accepting your children for who they are and loving them for who they are, I mean, again, you know, talking about nailing something, you know, it, it, it took me a lot longer as a human being to get to the point of understanding the things that you were you were um, saying in that video. And once again, we're encouraging everybody who's listening today to please view the video. Is the best way to view the video, like I said earlier, to do a search Sinai School's Heroes? You could do it that way. Our website is very easy to remember. It's SinaiSchools.org. And if you just go to our website right at the top, you can click to it, or you can do Sinai School's Heroes, and you can you can get it uh, you get to it pretty easily. You mentioned earlier, Reverend Rothwex, about preparing the kids for life, which I guess happens in every school. Um, very present in the video is the bar mitzvah of Tovia Minchenberg and the preparations that you went to, the extent to which you all went as a team to prepare Tivi for his bar mitzvah without completely ruining the film for everybody who hasn't seen it yet. Um, can you describe to us what went into that um, that kind of prep? Yeah, you know, we'll take a step back for a moment. Many of us as parents of typically developing kids sometimes take the small steps for granted. I have a son who's in ninth grade now and who went in the beginning of the year to back to school night and they talk about how we start talking about college now even though it's four years away and you know some of the parents are scared college college well, I can't think about that now we tell 11th grade 
But, you know, for me, just I guess because I do this every day, I was thinking, well, college's not that far off, and if we want him to be able to write a good essay to get into college, then he's got to learn the good writing skills now. And I think if anybody is honest and takes a step back, realize that anything in life, any accomplishments that we have is really um, a collection of a lot of successes over time. Um, so what we pride ourselves in here is being able to take that step back and say, Obviously, we're not in a VM, but based on our experience, what are those successes? What are those milestones that this child can do to get to, you know, we're not, we're not pigeonholing kids and we're not prescribing their life for them, but taking it, you know, each step at a time. And again, like I said before, with the parents as the leaders of the team who know their kids the best to be able to do that. So you said I shouldn't ruin the video. I won't ruin the video, but I think, I think that that's, that's really the answer. When we were talking about, Preparing for a bar mitzvah. So, uh, you know, for some kids, it's, um, you know, when, when you start at the age six or seven and you, and you think, wow, the, the slate is really clean now. We can write anything we want on that. So we start, start with the basics. And sometimes the Korea is so difficult for our children. So then, you know, when we get to age eight or nine, when we realize, you know what, we're not going to give up on that, but how are we going to make that kid's bar mitzvah? meaningful for them. So then we have to be creative in other ways. Um, and uh, our educators have a lot of great uh, tricks in their bag that they've collected over the years. But uh, I think that ability to take a step back and realize that it's just a lot a lot of different steps that build up to, uh, to one great success. And the truth is that that bar mitzvah is really, when you're able to take, take a step back, it's not one big success. It's also one small thing that then will build on to, uh, to future successes. Uh, Rabbi and Lori Minchenberg, we just have like a minute or two left here. What else, just listening to everything that we've said so far today, and you know, you're talking to other parents out there, what else would you like to add about your experience, your experience with Sinai, your experience with your family? What are you taking away from all of this? Uh, never give up on yourself, never give up on your children. Dive into Hashem for help all the time because He has the answers and He will get you through everything. And uh, you asked about patience before. Um, yeah, how, how do you have patience? Because because you love your child, and as and as much frustrated as you might get at times. Um, as you know, as a Rebbe, I see it in the classroom all the time. Is that uh, they, uh, a few years ago we received a um, uh, at Rosh Hashanah a stress ball in the sh- in the shape of an apple, <laughs> and uh, you know That's every one, and every once in a while, you know it's like you, you say something happens in the class. So I used to need the stress ball in order to physically be able to release that stress. Now it, it it's come to a point where it's just you just take a deep breath. Okay. The moment will pass. Okay, we move on, right? No, I don't want to. We'll turn into, okay, fine, I'll do it. Because uh, my father uh, always says, you know, it's, I know I'm going to will it to happen. It's, do I want it to happen? Of course I want it to happen. So we'll make it happen. And if that requires a lot of patience, then so be it. And, uh, you know, you, lo- you love your children no matter uh uh, no matter what the the day brings, and even if you're frustrated at the moment, you just remind yourself that uh, they're your kids, and they're the most precious gift that Hashem has given to you. And He um, He's He's made us the caretakers, and 
you hope to do your best. In the same way that you said earlier that you view your video for Chizuk, uh, your story today, I'm sure, is bringing a lot of Chizuk to a lot of people out there. And I thank you all so much for joining us, Rabbi Rothwax and Sam Fishman and Laura Minchenberg and Rabbi Yehuda Minchenberg, and for sharing your story with us today. And if you have any questions for the Sinai Schools administrators at the Sinai Schools uh, team or for the Minchenbergs, you can email me at randy at nachamsegel.com, R-A-N-D-I at nachamsegel.com. And we hope that today we've given you something to talk about right here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Let's give them something to talk about. Something to talk about. Let's give them something to talk about.